So it's such a good thing to be in the presence of the Lord. It's such a good thing to be among believers in Christ because it truly is a family that can gather together. It truly is those that want to press into the things of God. And I really feel that it's more evident today on, say, a holiday weekend, those who are truly connected, those who are plugged into the things of God, because it it shows a desire, it shows a, a willingness to gather into the house of the Lord in every season, whether it's a holiday or not. Um, and so to kind of uh, uh, start things off, I thought it would be fitting that we start in the book of Matthew and um, chapter 4 and verse 18. But before we get into there, I thought it was encouraging that our president has called for today to be a day of prayer, today to be that time that we can gather together, not only as a church, but as a nation who is founded in Christ, to be that one to stand in the gap. Because I was listening to the radio this week, and I'm sure as many of you have heard that there was a group of pastors who went out on boats and were fishing men out of water. How very fitting of the gospel that as pastors being called and going out and fishing men out of the waters in that tumultuous time, in that time that they are surrounded on every side, but yet the one that is the hope is fishing them out of that place. The one who is glory is fishing it out of place. And I thought, I didn't even know that the day of prayer was until this morning, and I just thought, Lord, thank you for confirmation, because we're going to be talking about fishing. And so I just wanted to recognize that Continue to pray for that area. Continue to pray that, you know, throughout the day, keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your thoughts because it really is a time that that we as a church can intercede. That on Sunday nights here in this place, we have standing in the gap. But at the same time, that goes out throughout the week. That each and every moment that we have, that we are standing in the the gap for our neighbors and the communities around us, but not only that, for the needs that we see across this nation. And I am encouraged that our president has recognized the power of prayer. I'm encouraged that our president has recognized the authority in who God is and the power that he exhibits over this nation still to this day, that those would say that the nation is no longer Christian, that the nation is no longer this or that. But I'm here to tell you that our nation is decidedly Christian. It's foundationally Christian. It's the the way that it was established. And I'm here to say also that we are going back to our roots, that we're going back to that time that people would gather in the house of God being transformed. Ooh, that's a little extra. Um, so I'm not sure if we are there yet, but I'd like to welcome everyone that's listening online and those that are hearing this after the fact, because I mean, uh, many of you don't know that as we are online, we are also offline in that while you may not be able to attend service as it's happening, all of our messages are available after the fact anytime you would like online. And so I'm thankful because our messages are never out of style, never out of season, and never out of time. So, but before we begin, I just want to open with prayer as it's my custom. That I just feel in my spirit that it, there's just something about it that we establish things with prayer. 
So let us all bow in our heads, and because I knew that this word is, is on time for me as it will be for you. God, I just thank you for your presence here in this place. God, I thank you for your anointing that I feel already this morning. God, that as, as we worshiped you, God, that as we lifted up your name, God, I felt a change and a shift in the atmosphere. God, as hearts and minds are shifted and inclined to you, God, that you would be magnified in everything that we do. God, that you would anoint our lips, God. God, that you would anoint my lips that I would preach and proclaim the word as you've called me, God, that your word is always on time, that it's always in season, that it's always fashionable, that it always transforms. And God, I praise you, God, I magnify you for who you are, and God, for that very fact that, Lord, that you never change. No matter how I change, I can still come unto you. And God, I thank you and praise you, and God, that you would uh, touch each and every heart and prepare them for the word that we have this morning. God, and I thank you in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. And so the title of today is, is not fishing, although it could be gone fishing. I, I'm just being funny a little bit, but uh, it's more about following. And so uh, as Krista will testify, there's, there's a time of preparation that comes before ministering that you, you seek the Lord. And as things move this way and that way, as the spirit leaves, because, you know, the spirit is like living water. It goes to those places that become open. Yes. Come on. It goes to the places that become available to God. I mean, I hope everyone can, can feel in their spirit that there are times that we have certain things that we are not open to until God makes them open. There are certain things that we're not willing to do until God makes us a willing vessel. There are certain things that we're not willing to follow after until God makes it possible. So the title of this is follow, but if you'll turn with me in the book of Matthew in chapter four in verse, uh, we'll say 18. And I'm thankful that you all stood for the reading of God's word. I, I, I believe that it's, it's important to honor God's word because his word is always in time, that it is always relevant in our lives. So in Matthew in the book, in chapter four and verse 18, verse 18, and Jesus said, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And verse 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In verse 20, and they immediately, they left their nets and followed him. You may be seated. And so we're going to be going over a, a couple different areas. But along with that, that, you know, in the society that we're living in, everybody wants to have you follow them. We see that in everywhere that we go, that it's online. The social media says, follow or like our Facebook page. Come find us on Facebook. Come find us here and there on social media. Everyone is looking for that, for them to follow, that they would have uh, the ability to pour into them. And I think that it's important that as we follow certain things, as we go after certain things, we become connected. We become connected with those things that we follow. How many would say amen? amen? 
as we follow after God, we become connected with him. And as we read already in scripture, that there were two that saw Jesus and Jesus called into them, follow me, and they followed after him. So along with that, as Jesus calls different ones unto him saying, follow me, there's an expectation that as we follow him, that we are coming to in that area of wanting to know more about him. So in that, if we put that in today, that when we follow and like people on social media, they have access to us. That it's important to watch who has access to us. It's important to see, to monitor who is coming into everything that we look at or read or be connected with. And why is that important? Because, you know, as social media is becoming more and more about consuming different things, finding out information about, well, so-and-so is having this for breakfast. Not that it's very good information, but it's still, you're connected with them, so you are consuming whatever they're putting forth if you're not monitoring who you're connected with. And so it really becomes and is stirring in my spirit that there are people that we are connected with that are pouring things in us that may not exactly be what God wants us to have. It may not exactly be the kind of things or food or diet that we need to have to be successful in the kingdom of God. Because let's be honest, people today are more and more worldly. Uh, we see it all around us, even so-called Christians, even ones that would, that would try to say, you know, that I know the way that you need to go and you need to follow me and be a part of my ministry and be a part of this. But yet they miss the mark when it comes to what Christ has called them to. And so as they put out information, as we follow them, we consume the things that they put out. It starts to change and cultivates our appetite that we, that we no longer, <laughs> Lord, help me to, to, to bring this forth because it's important that we recognize that the things that our appetite are cultivated for, the things that we start to have a hunger for is what we're going to continually seek after. If we constantly fill ourselves with a certain type of thing to make me feel good. We, it's almost like it's just overly sweet. We constantly desire the sweet things of life. We constantly desire the things that would make us feel satisfied. But yet there's no balance to our diet. There's no other alternative that we need people in our lives also to give us the meat. We need us, uh, people in our lives to give us the other, the vegetables, the things that are fibrous, the things that would bring a balanced diet. And the reason why that's so important is because we cannot live on just sweet. We can't live on just everything that makes us feel good as believers. We can't live on everything that is, is what we would consider the feel-good messages, that I feel great going home. There are some days that we need the meat of the word to offset the sweet, to bring balance, to bring the, the nutrition that we need to build up those inner areas within us. We need that meat and that fibrous things to, to, not, to cleanse out the things that we've been, those sweet areas to bring balance to our diet. And as followers of Christ, we need to have a balance. And so today we see in social media, we see in different areas, even on television, every area, there's a certain diet that they give you. There's a certain diet. And that's why uh, uh, I would say it's a diet of negativity. 
I told Krista that I stopped watching the news. I can't handle that. I can't stomach it any longer. That it's beyond my quota of negativity. And so I, I want to I wanna have my heart and mind be focused on things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are righteous, things that are holy. And if I'm constantly consuming that diet of negativity, I'll become negative. Because what you put in is what you put out. And so moving on to that, Jesus had many different types of followers. You know, we think of followers as, well, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I mean, that means I'm connected. I'm good. I am everything that God, you know, uh, uh, everything that I need to be with God. How many would say that every Christian is equal or equal is not the right word, but how many would say that every, you feel that every Christian's connected in the same way to God? We see some variances that some people are willing to go after everything under the sun and still call themselves Christians. They're willing to, you know, uh, cuss out their neighbors. They're willing to, you know, backstab this one and that one and yet still call themselves Christian. There's, there's no uh, 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 greater desire to be righteous under the Lord. So we kind of see a difference in followings. And so we see that in Scripture as well. In Mark in, verse, in chapter 1 of verse 27 and 28, it, it says, then, the, then, then, they all, then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? What new doctrine is this? For, the, for with authority he commands even the unclean spirits... And they obey him. In verse 28, immediately his fame, meaning Jesus' fame, spread throughout all the region around Galilee. I see that today, that there are some people that are connected with Christ because they know who he is and they want to be connected to be a part not to be submitted, but to be connected. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to be alongside. I'm going to be a follower, but not be a believer. Because there's a different connotation between following and belief. I mean, let, let's be very real that I can follow someone. I mean, I'll follow them all around this building, out and down the street and everywhere else. I'm not committed to them. I'm just following them. I look like I'm following them. I'm standing right beside As they go, I go. As they go, I go. Wherever we go, I'm following them. I mimic them, but yet I'm still not committed to them. And there's a difference. Jesus had many different types of followers. We even see this difference in following and belief among disciples. Ooh. That's, that starts to get a little bit... Uh, different than what we're used to. The definition of, in the Bible, it's usually it's not, we say the word believe or belief. It's usually, it's a verb or to believe. And so in the vines, it says one of the, one of the definitions of believe is to place confidence in, to trust signifying a sense of reliance upon. That's very different than following. That's very different than what we're 
always uh, used to thinking of, well, I'm a follower. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we rely upon Christ. So the two disciples, uh, Andrew and most likely John, in John in chapter 1 of verse 37, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to be doing uh, Bible gymnastics. We're going to be going here and there and everywhere. So that's fine. Uh, If you need notes, I'll give you notes. Um, so in John 1 and chapter in John 1 and verse 37, 37 saying, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed him, or they followed Jesus. In John, in John 2 and chapter in verse 11, this is the beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. This is in the same section of verse, so if you do turn there, we'll read that they were following after Jesus. Jesus done signs of turning wine or water into wine, and afterward, they believed. That there are sometimes as followers of Christ that we come into uh, a time of following, but yet not being fully committed, fully reliant upon who Christ is. And we see that today. Many Christians follow after Christ, but are not committed to him. And we see that by, well, this sermon's taking longer than 30 minutes, and I need to go. Not realizing that the messages that God gives the men and women of God are the words of life that we need in certain seasons. But I want to shift to another area. As followers, the... the, importance of the cross the importance of what the representation of the cross is compared to who we are i was gonna say i'm like man there should have been a whole lot more notes here than what there were so i'll have to switch here the old-fashioned paper but another part of of following jesus is is that some of them recognized the authority that he had and we talked about that authority that they saw the the doctrine in which he preached that he had authority over unclean spirits and that he cast them out and that because of this that people followed him because of his fame because i want to be connected with the man that casts out spirits We see that today. We see that people are at times connected with certain individuals because of who they are, even in ministry. It doesn't matter that we're in church setting. There are times that people are connected with ones because of who's who. Jesus causes people to follow with the words that he spoke. Jesus, that... This is a fundamental thing that we wonder as disciples, why, or we wonder as Christians, disciples, whatever you want to call us, that how did Jesus cause them to follow? He didn't perform any miracles. He just spoke to them, as we already read, that he, the, he just spoke to them. So how did they follow him? And how do we f- have people follow after the God that we serve when all we do is can speak to them? And so in John in chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus speaking, and pastor references this this a lot, and I like it because this uh, this is this section in 63. It is the Spirit, capital S, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That's the, the fundamental thing is that when we are, are being ministers into this world, that we are to speak the words of Christ because those are the words of life. Those are the words of the spirit. Those are the ones that are, will transform people's lives because they recognize Christ by his words. It said that, that what new doctrine is this? Doctrine is about words. It's about what you say and the mannerism that you say it in. Jesus had a new doctrine than what they were used to. There are times that we need to have the doctrine of Christ in order to be effective over principalities and over powers. That this morning that we started to stir and get on that area of having the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. That we need to be acknowledging the fact that the words that Jesus spoke were with power and with authority. But more importantly that Jesus was fully man. But yet at the same time had the authority of heaven. That is in the same way that we are. It's not that we have the power to cast out, but we have the authority given to us by Jesus, by God, to have that authority over unclean spirits, to have that authority over our own households and our, over our own situations, that we can have confidence in going out into this world as followers of Christ, as ones committed and reliant upon Christ to be effective with what he's given us. And so when we recognize that authority that Christ has given us, we can move with confidence knowing that when we come upon someone that needs the word, that needs the gospel, that needs to have change in their life, if we're speaking the words of Christ, it will be effective. It will be effective. Because there are times, I'll be very real, that you wonder, how in the world am I going to be effective? I'm going to be very transparent here and say that there are times that I felt, Lord, unless you move in this situation, it ain't happening, honey. Unless you move, it's not going to happen through this flesh and bones. It's only by the authority given to me through the power of God and through the anointing and through the Holy Spirit that things change, that we can lay hands upon the sick and that they would be healed, that we can speak to unclean spirits and they would be cast out in the name of Jesus. It's only by that authority and by that submission under the things of God when we say, Lord, it's not by my might, but by your power that I am effective, that I can can be that follower that you've called me out. I'm relying upon you. My belief is in you. My hope is in you. My assurance is in you. I am the one that I am calling out unto you that unless you move, I'm not moving any farther forward. Unless you move, I don't know which way to go. Unless you move, I don't know how to heal this man. I don't know how to be uh, effective in that situation because it's the unction of the Holy Ghost. It's the power and the anointing of God that allows you to be effective because Jesus moved differently in each and every area. He spoke to this one. He spat at that one. He anointed others. And yet each time the spirit moved and gave him understanding that he was effective in everything that he did. That he was a son of man, but yet he gave, uh, he moved with the authority of God. Amen, amen and amen. Yes. The power of the cross. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. Well, as disciples, as followers of Christ, I just had to jump and shout when the Lord gave me this one. So get ready, get your spiritual seatbelts on, we're going. 
Um, and so with that, the power of the cross. The cross is a representation of sacrifice. More than anything, the power of the blood of Christ that was sacrificed upon the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For those who follow and believe, it is the path traveled. We talked about following after Christ. And if we follow after him on his earthly ministry, we follow him to the cross. We follow him to that place where there was sacrifice. We follow him to that place where there was a fully commitment and a reliance upon who God is in order to be effective. There's many times that we read in scripture where Christ prayed and he sought the Lord that he would have understanding in those times of weakness. Those times in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed so fervently, it was like as of great drops of blood. That, to me, speaks of, in my weakness, he's made strong. In my infirmities, he's made powerful. It reminds me that I can still be human and still be that called anointed one. Jesus was still that called and anointed one, even in those times that as he prayed and sought the Father for direction, waiting for answers. Because there's times that we all wait for answers. There's times that we all wait for, for God to move in a situation, especially if we have that reverence and that fear of the Lord. Or that understanding that if we move in a certain way, we're going to mess it up. But moving back to the cross. The cross in before Jesus' time was a method of Roman execution. Think about that. I mean, it was a method. This method involved having the convicted person carry the cross to the place of execution. It's very sobering when you think that Jesus asks us of the same thing. Think about this. Everyone who witnessed a cross being carried knew that it was a one-way journey. The cross was a one-way journey. And it was a witness to everyone who saw it. But yet, but God, but yet the cross has been transformed. We don't, we look at today as a cross of being sacrificed. We look today as a cross being the way, the truth, and the life. We look today as a cross of being the place that Jesus shed his blood. But yet at the same time, it has been transformed through Christ as a symbol of escape. Boy, I'm excited by that. And so in Luke in chapter 9 and verse 23... Then he said to them all, if anyone, Jesus speaking, <clears throat> then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How are we to do this? How are we to, how are we to go on a one-way journey every day? 
It's not possible. It's not humanly possible. You can't physically die every day. So Jesus was not meaning physically. Jesus was meaning spiritually. Jesus was meaning that vessel of spirit. And why is that so significant? That that we are vessels of the Holy Spirit, that it, it holds God's spirit and it holds our spirit. And everything else is flesh. So what are we sacrificing? Our flesh. What's our flesh consist of? Our minds, actions, attitudes, things that we go after, things that we follow, that they are to be subject to the cross daily, that they are to be brought under under submission to be executed at the cross daily. My attitudes need to be executed at the cross because there are times that they are not of God. There are times that they do not desire the things of God and they, they need to come under the cross in order to be sanctified, in order to be brought into that place of escape. Again, this is a method of following. This is the method of following after God. Jesus gave us this example in Luke in chapter 11, verse 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It comes into an area of that sacrifice. What did Jesus sacrifice? His will. He put it to under the he put it under the subjection of the cross. That's why he was in the garden praying. He was, <laughs> I believe, he was in that mode of confirmation. As as the Lord leads you to do something extraordinary, there's going to be a time that you seek the Lord to move into that area of confirmation for yourself. Because it doesn't do you any good to go in half-heartedly and give up midway through. You need to have that fully made up mind, and that comes in that preparation time that God's called us into. Jesus separated himself to go pray, but the thing that I like is that he brought a few along with him to come pray. And so that tells me that in the fellowship that we have, there may be times that we come alongside and pray in those times of transition, that we may come alongside and pray through in those times and seasons that God is calling each one into a new area because when God calls us into another area, he prepares us and he gives us ones that will come alongside us to help us pray through. Although thankfully you all are more faithful than they were because they fell asleep. Don't worry. I won't call you after 11 o'clock. So just, just a heads up. Won't be after 11. You can sleep. Now the Lord might on my behalf, but that's between you and him. The Lord calls you after 11. You just take it up with him. In Luke in chapter 22 and verse 42, again, coming to the will, coming to this area of flesh, coming to our our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, putting them under the cross, putting them under the execution that was designed to be a separation of flesh and spirit. So in Luke in 22 and 42 saying, 
Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's from the King James, so it's a little bit different than new. But again, we have Jesus seeking out the Father because the areas that God calls us into, God called Jesus into a cup of suffering for our behalf. If you want to think about it this way, we talked about appetites earlier. There are times that the Lord calls you to have a certain thing that you consume. At times, a cup of suffering. At times, a cup that you would anguish and labor over a situation. That you would have that one to cry out unto the Lord. As Daniel did when he saw the devastation around him. He had that time of praying and seeking out the Lord. Not eating anything that would be considered a delicacy. But being sanctified unto the Lord. That his appetite changed based on the need of God. So as followers, we need to be reminded that our appetites can be, need to be influenced by God. That there are times that we don't, can't always have the feel-good messages. We can't always have those things that would just pump us up and, and make us feel great. But at the same time, I believe that the Lord encourages us in every step and every season. You know, this is not exactly a 100% easy message, but yet at the same time, I believe the Lord guides each message and backs it with that love that he gives us. The Father wouldn't have sent Christ to the cross had it not been for love. Love for Christ as being the only one that could perform the task that was asked of him and love for all of us that would enter in afterward. It's that love that conditions the things that God asks us to do. It's that love that allows us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, in spite of how much we are, not, we are in opposition by our flesh. I'm sure none of you have been opposed to the things that God's called you to. Never happened once. I am teasing just a little bit, but, you know, there's... There's always times that we are in opposition to the things of God. But yet part of that is due to the fact that we're still flesh. We're still human nature at times. We, we move empowered by the spirit, but are still flesh. We still wake up flesh, go to bed flesh, go to work flesh, but yet are transformed by the Spirit of God to overcome our flesh, moving into that thing that God's called us into in this time and season that he needs us to, to be ready in season and out of season, transforming our flesh into something acceptable that God can use. I'm thankful for that. Amen. I want to touch back on the, the cross because it's, it's really something that is a symbol for all of us. That's why we have one hanging right here, that it is a symbol of Christ. There are some churches that want to take down the cross, that want to say that it's offensive. And I just, in preparation, I just thought, Lord, how is the cross offensive? How is the cross something that would offend so much that a church of Christ would remove it? 
How is that even possible? It just tore me up because it's like, Lord, people are so twisted in their minds. Their minds are so far removed from you that they would be willing to remove the foundation of the church in order to please uh, someone who's outside of it. That they are willing to remove the foundation of Christ, the thing that allowed us to transition from flesh into spirit, allowed us to have eternal life, allowed us to have the victory in our lives, allowed us to escape death, but yet we're removing it to please those that are outside of the church. If anything, we need to have one on every wall and every seat. As a continual reminder, as they did in the Old Testament, that they hung books around their arms and around their necks that they would not forget the law of God that established them as a nation of Christ, of Moses. But yes, we're getting there. So that final area of the cross, and then we'll move on. Because I just had to shout when I heard it, when the Lord just kind of revealed that to me, that we've already talked about that the symbol that this establishes The symbol that this establishes that Christ has asked us to carry daily with us is a symbol that we've already touched on, that it's a symbol of escape. It's a symbol of overcoming death in the grave, that that's what Jesus done, that for him, the cross represents the escape from death in the grave, that he rose from those situations, overcoming those areas. And so to me, that says that the cross is a representation of victory, so Jesus is asking Asking us to carry the victory of the cross with us daily to be transforming our lives, putting our own will under subjection for the victory of the cross. Amen. amen and amen. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have given us the cross that we can that we can be that one that you've called us to be, that we can be effective. Because when I place my spirit, when I place my mind, when I place my flesh under the cross, I have victory. I have an area of being over, an overcomer. I have the one that you have given me because as we come to the cross, as we become Christians, we become that one that has a witness and a testimony and a revelation it says that they overcome him being the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and so as we subject our flesh into those areas become available for Christ as we become open to the flowing of living water that there are new things that God is getting ready to call us into that God didn't design us to be overcomers for being an overcomer's sake. It wasn't for us that we, the cross was, it was for us, but the purpose of us entering in was not for us. It was for others that they would enter in in the same way that Jesus had to go to the cross that we would enter in in the same way we need to go to the cross that others would enter in. So that way we are like him in that because he was transformed from flesh into spirit, overcoming death. We are transformed from flesh into spirit overcoming the world but it comes about endurance Jesus knew the cross before it came in or K-N-E-W knew as an Old Testament knew he was intimate with the cross before it came he was, a, he was familiar with the customs that the Romans had. 
the cross was a representation of the cup to consume. How did he endure? I would like to ask. That's, that's my prayers. Lord, Paul says it this way in the New Testament. It says that I would know him in his sufferings. That I would be a partaker with him. In Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, <clears throat> answering the question, how did he endure? Looking unto Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the author and the finisher of our faith, for, who the, for, who, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There are times and seasons that God calls you to do something that is uncomfortable, that is beyond your natural ability, that is beyond your natural understanding to do and endure. But yet at the same time, if you look at the purpose, you can endure the process. Because Jesus, oh man, I, I just imagine that in that time of prayer that God gave him a glimpse of all of us. That God gave him a glimpse of what was to come by the completion of the purpose, by the completion of the cross, by the completion of what was established on the cross, what was made possible. I believe that that was the joy that allowed him to move forward. I'm sure there is every person in this room has someone in your mind that you would endure all things that they would come to the knowledge of Christ. As Christians, we desire that people become Christians. That is our goal. Jesus said that I will make you fishers of men. What are we? Fishers of men. How do we do it? The word that all of us have, that one that we would lay down our lives in order that they may enter in. All of us have that. And I'm sure that all of us probably have more than one. Ones that we would be willing to endure every single thing that Christ went through, that they may know the glory and the knowledge of Christ and come into relationship with him. In James, in chapter 1 of verse 2, as we're coming to a close, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In verse 3 and 4, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you, everyone say me, that me, meaning you, may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When we look at the reason why we endured the things that God has called us to endure, it's for this very purpose, that I counted all joy in various trials that God may perfect me, that it's not about the trial, it's not about the outcome, but it's about the perfecting of me. It's about the transformation of me. That there, 
that I, you know, I will be transparent that there has been seasons in my life that God has desired to perfect me beyond the place that I was when I began. And at the time, I didn't think about it that way. I thought, Lord, what did I do to, to deserve this? What did I do to, to offend you? What did I do to cause you to come down in such a way? I felt like Job. But yet at the same time, at the end, Job repented of, and turned back to the Lord of his words. And that's no matter how we respond to the trial, as long as we come back to that area of repentance, as long as we come back to the area of understanding that the trial that we're in, that the thing that we're going through, that the thing we've been waiting on, the thing that we've been looking for is a patience producing process. Lord, I'm t I don't need any more patience. I, I just don't. I'm good. I, don't, I, I learned a long time ago not to pray for patience. Amen. That, that there are times and seasons that you say, Lord, I just need to be more patient. He goes, I sent you so-and-so. <laughs> and if you're trying to figure out who that is in your life, it might be you. I'm just teasing on that one. But. So how do we have the faith to stand because I'll tell you what when it comes to those seasons and times of producing patience producing edification how do we how do we remain in Christ how do we remain in God because I'll tell you what there's times that I have thought to myself I don't need this that's flesh speaking all of us have been there all of us have been to that point when you really question what's going on, that your faith wavers, that you waver in the things of God, and you wonder, how in the world am I going to overcome this situation when I don't even have the faith to open my Bible to, that I might read the words that would edify my situation? Because there's times that I've had in my own life that I didn't want to pick up the Word of God because I knew that there were the words of life in there and that they might change my outlook and change my situation because of the conviction that comes through the Word of God because it is spirit and it is life and it is always living and that it is always on time and that the word of God is that one that convicts. It's the word of God that draws because it is empowered by the spirit of God that Jesus came to this earth and the word was made flesh. But yet at this point in juncture, Jesus is in the heaven at the right hand of the father. And so he is able to move among all of us, having the word be perfected in us that we would be perfected. So how do we have the faith to stand? In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, everyone should probably know this, or at least come, I, I won't quiz anybody because I'm terrible when it comes to, where is this in the Bible? I don't know, I'd have to look it up. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Some of you may not know that God has designed me in such a way to be an auditory learner, that I learn by listening, which is perfect for church. It's perfect in the area that God has called me to be in this place at this time, and that I learn by listening. But there are some people who do not listen. I figured it'd be at least half a dozen amen. Some people do not listen. 
especially when it comes to the word of God. Because it's one thing to hear what you want to hear. Oh, well, I just think that this song is just greatest thing ever. I'm just going to listen to it over and over and over and over again until I can't stand it anymore, and then I'll move on to something else. I just love the sound of their voice. Talking about someone that you may admire, whether it be a singer, someone, a significant other, however it may be, you may cherish what they say, how they say it. You're willing to listen. You're attentive to them. I believe that God, as we grow in Christ, changes our ear appetite, if you will. I do not like to listen to negativity perpetually. My ear has been trained because as Krista can tell you, there was a time that I was very sarcastic, perpetually and negative. But at the same time, God changes our minds, changes what we are accustomed to, changes what we are willing to put up with, changes what we are willing to listen to. There are some people that are unwilling to listen to sound doctrine. They are say, well, um, but, but my pastor says that we can do this. What's the word of God say? It doesn't matter what your pastor says. He may not have the revelation that you need to be edified in order to be more like Christ. Not coming against anyone's. They need to have the revelation too. That the Holy Spirit would have a two-by-four moment with them. That they would be knocked on their back and brought back to that place that they can be used again. And I know all about that because I've had a couple of those moments. Where the Holy Spirit takes you out in such a capacity that it permanently alters your outlook. And it is possible. We know that it's possible by Paul, who had an experience on the road to Damascus. That is a two-by-four moment, if I've ever seen one. There was a two-by-four that came and sat upon him, changing his outlook for Christ. I know I'm losing y'all. That's okay. Some turned away at the sound Jesus told them concerning the covenant established on the cross in John 6 and 63. I'm going to turn there real quick. Unless someone can put it up there. See who's faster Bible races. So in John chapter 6 and verse 63. We've already read it. And it says. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. There are some that are not willing to be a partaker of the covenant Christ was talking about in this section. Because earlier in verse 61, excuse me, in verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, it is a hard saying, who can understand it? In verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, his, complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? In verse 62, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. Jesus reads us like a book. 
much to my distress. Has anyone's ever had those times of prayer when the Lord tells you, son, you need to straighten up. I don't like this about you. It makes you ugly to me. It's the place that the water can't flow because it's stopped. You're not willing to let my spirit come in and open that area up. So some of Christ's disciples were offended. In Luke 17 and verse 1, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Amen and amen. It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Anyone who's been in church for any amount of season has understood offenses. They come. They are a nature of people. And people, I don't know, they just, we rub against each other in a wrong way. And offenses do come. So again, we need to, this is more of a, a teach aspect, but I duly believe that as we read the word of God, that we need to have it being spoken. As you read and as you study out the word of God, if you need to get alone by yourself in a closet in a bathroom, the bathroom makes you sound better, but you just read the word of God to yourself. Because there are times that you can't call anybody because you're so embarrassed about what it is that you don't feel confident in order to call your brother or sister. I'm being very real because there are times that you don't want to tell sister so-and-so who you think is wonderful that you feel this way, that you act this way, that you really think this way, that you need to repent of this because it's in the way. And so when that word of God that you're speaking and you're praying and you're seeking out God, when it starts to come alive, there comes conviction. There comes that area of repentance. There comes that area of the word of God being alive because even though that your lips may not be, uh, uh, you may not feel they're anointed enough to speak the word of the God, the word of God is so anointed that it's enough to convict you even out of the, the mouth of a donkey. If the donkey speaks, but it's speaking the word of God, it's anointed enough to convict you, to change you out of the place that you're in right now and allow you to move beyond the circumstance that you're in, that you can call your brother and sister and be that one that is able to intercede in any season and situation. So we have to be followers of Christ. We have to be committed to Christ. We have to be that one that is willing to stand daily with the victory that God's given us, and yet convict our flesh. To bring those things under submission, those days that I say, you know what, I'd rather sleep in than go to church. I'd rather not go to this function because sister so-and-so I don't really care for. I'm thankful we don't have that here, but this message goes beyond this place. And there are churches that I don't want to go to this church anymore because sister so-and-so said something funny to me and I don't like her anymore. Offenses come, but we need to remain submitted to Christ because that is the place that we have the victory. That is the place when we stay submitted to Christ through the cross, bearing the victory that he's given us, bearing that area of overcoming, that we are able to be effective and say, no matter, no matter if sister so-and-so is here, I'm going to go lay hands on her and pray, and eventually the Lord is going to deal us out. 
Because the Lord's called us to that area to be intercessors, even when we don't feel like it, if we don't like them, if they don't look right, if they don't smell right, if we need an attitude check, and if we need to have some deodorant that day. Because that's the reason that nobody wants us around, because we have a smelly attitude. And I'm thankful that God is that edification that we need. So I, I promised I wouldn't keep you very long, or if I didn't, y'all's here anyways. Um, but I'm truly thankful for what God has established in this church. As I was praying and seeking the Lord, I really felt that this was the right message for us for this season, for right now. And here's the reason. As we grow, we come into contact with more people. It's a lot easier to manage offenses. It's a lot easier to manage attitudes. It's a lot easier to manage everyone when you just, you know everybody, you love on each other. But when there's people you don't know, that when there's people you think you know, when there's people that are not 100% right with Christ, they're following, but they're not believing yet. When we come into contact, we need to have that knowledge of saying, I am an overcomer because of the submission to Christ, because of I submit myself under the hymn and I'm able to withstand anything that the enemy would try to bring through my brother or sister of Christ or through the non-believer that's following Christ but not believing. That's the reason that we have this message in this season because I believe that growth is coming here. I believe that we're getting ready to come into an area that if we expect to be that one to reach out to those that are unreachable, if we expect to be the one to reach out to those that are unclean, to those that are not, don't look like us, don't smell like us, aren't even related to us, that aren't a part of us, but yet are coming in because of the words of life that are coming forth, they're the ones that are being transformed and so we need to be ready in order to be effective ministers unto them because God's called all of us to be a minister to the body of Christ. So I'm ready. I, I'm just ready with expectation because I know each and every one of you know how to pray. Because when it comes down to it, when we have ones at the altar, ones that are seeking Christ, ones that are seeking to believe on the one that transforms us, the one that we have victory through, the one that we overcome, overcome the grave, we need to be able to have it lay a hand on and pray for. It's not just leadership. It's, it's us. It's us. We need to be ready. It don't matter if you know them. You know the God that does. And he likes them a whole lot better than you may at first anyways. Because he died on the cross for them. So, But that's the reason why this message, I believe, is for this season. I, I, I'm just, I come with expectation. And so I've already closed and, and we're really, we're moving into the close. I'm very abrupt. Crystal laughs at me. My prayer is, is that we get ourselves ready for camp meeting. Three weeks. And the reason why that's so important is this. I know that I've invited people that need to have a deeper relationship. I know that I have talked to ones that have just kind of settled into the routine. But yet, there's still more that God wants to do with them. You can see it on them. All of us have great giftings and anointings of God in order to be effective ministers. All of us do, in whatever capacity that may be. And the people that are curious, sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the seats in other places, 
as we invite them in, God may say, you know what, now's the time. I'm going to lay my hands on them, and they're getting ready to launch forth, and they need that support system that is the church. That's the reason why we're effective. That's the reason why this is an on-time message. So, Lord, I think you're done. So I appreciate you all. Um, Just a reminder as we move forward, uh, there's no evening service tonight. Enjoy the, the holiday Labor Day 